Christ is risen. Truly, He is risen. We we made it. We made it through Lent. We made it through Holy Week, and we all survived. And here we are with another podcast. Thank God. Uh, it was. I I don't know about you, Father Gregory. We had a beautiful Holy Week here in Michigan. I was I, I was overjoyed. It was just such a wonderful experience. This these services of Holy Week are all so beautiful and amazing and uh everything went well and i'm just i'm really grateful to be on this side of of the resurrection and and saying saying christ is risen christos anesti and it's a a season of of joy and and light and it's wonderful yeah amen i mean we had a lot of people at the services, at all the services, um, and people were really plugged in. They were really focused. Yeah. Um, it was a very spiritually, of course, it's always, it's a very spiritual intense time. Yes, um, absolutely. Holy Week and, and Pascha, but very spiritually fruitful, I think, too. So thank God for it, for Holy Week yes. and Pascha. But, yeah. uh, but it is nice to also now be in the season of Pascha, the Pentecostadion, uh, yes. and celebrating the services uh, as we continue to move forward with the liturgical year. Yeah, and every every Pascha, I'm always kind of surprised. It's not a surprise. I, I know it's coming, and I know exactly when it's coming. The Paschal homily of St. John Chrysostom that we read at the very end of the Divine Liturgy on Saturday night, the, the Paschal Liturgy, Saturday night into Sunday morning. The digital chant stand headed at the end of Orthros. Oh, really? And that's Interesting. The, and that's when I read it. Oh, nice. Before we even started liturgy. That's great. That's a So, uh, that's good to know. We were using the Narthex Press books here because that's what mm-hmm. uh, this community was used to. But that's I'm, I'm glad to hear that because the whole sermon is, is saying, you know, it doesn't matter kind of where you find yourself spiritually right now. You're here come to the celebration, come to the meal, come mm-hmm. to the feast. Mm-hmm. And when it's at the end of liturgy, like it is in those old, in the Narthex Press books yeah. and the Papadeus books that, you know, a lot of our communities are very used to, mm-hmm. it's it sounds like, well, it doesn't matter. Come, have lamb, you know, come, mm-hmm. ha- have mm-hmm. some kulurakia and your cafe and your little uzo, you know. But, but of course, St. John Chrysostom is inviting all of us and, and reminding all of us that this is all leading us to the Lord's table, to the mm-hmm. mystical table, to the Eucharist. Yeah. Which is the whole reason we have any of these celebrations is to celebrate the sacrament of the Eucharist. Right, right. And uh, yeah, it's that's where it, that's, and it actually, I looked it up in the uh, patriarchal Irmelogion, and that's where it said to put it. Um, at the end of Orthros, that's at the great. end of the resurrectional Orthros before the beginning of the divine liturgy. Well, um, I am I am happy to hear that. Well, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll be on. I I know there's the new translations coming out from the archdiocese at some point soon, so I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll be doing that kind of standardized, which is nice. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Also emphasizing the importance for staying for liturgy. Um, right. Yes. The, the light. Ca- the light is nice, but sure. it is not the point of that night service. It's not the only point. And um, you know, thank God. I mean, I, w- I will say here at the cathedral, people. A lot of people stay. And uh, yeah. And it's it's a really a it's a blessed thing. Uh, it's it's a wonderful thing. It is great when people stay because 
that it's, sacrament of the Eucharist is really what that whole night is about. Yeah, and that, that segues us nicely into the topic for this month because yes. we, have been, we have been asked, we've been requested to speak about the sacraments or the mysteries of the church yep. and the, the kind of the, the prime one, maybe the seat of all the other mysteries is the, uh, the Eucharist. And yes. so of course the Eucharist is not just only the elements of Holy Communion. No, but before we get there, we've been asked to talk about the sacraments on this episode of Church oh, yeah. Coffee Pod, where the theology is never watered down and the conversation keeps flowing. I'm Father Bryce. I'm Father Gregory, and apparently I still need more coffee. Uh, so <laughs> Always. Yeah. Always more coffee. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, like I was saying, the Eucharist is the, is the seat of the mysteries in, in the old days, whenever that was. Um, I'm, not, I'm not super <laughs> sharp on the dates here, but... Uh, most of the other mysteries were celebrated within the context of the Eucharistic gathering. And as I said, the yeah. Eucharist is not just uh, the elements of Holy Communion, the consecrated bread and wine, the body and blood of Christ, but the whole service. The whole service is called Ethia Eucharistia, mm-hmm. right? So the whole service was the divine Eucharist, the giving of thanks, the divine giving of thanks yes. yeah. uh, to God. And where we receive the mystery of Holy Communion you know, where we receive the consecrated bread and wine right? by the Holy Spirit changed into the true body and blood of Christ yeah, uh, that we receive in faith. And, but before we get to the Eucharist, you know, we start with the mystery of holy baptism. Right. We have these sacraments often called the sacraments or mysteries of initiation. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about briefly, like, why do we use the word sacrament, mystery, interchangeably? Where do those words come from? Why do we use them? Yeah, I mean, they each kind of highlight something a little bit different, right? Because uh, the mysteries is from the Greek, right? So that's kind of more in our liturgical manuals and and things like that from the ancient times or however old they may be, which are Mm -hmm. written in the original language of Greek. They're called the divine mysteries. Mm -hmm. And And used by by the Apostle Paul in his epistles. Yeah. And, And of course sacrament comes from latin Mm -hmm. Uh, it's related to the same root word for sacred uh so it's it's the holy things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so they both kind of capture a different aspect of what's going on of course the divine communion is sacred it's holy Mm -hmm. and of course it is also a mystery we don't understand how possibly bread and wine can convey the true presence of Christ. That's beyond our human reasoning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we know that it does because Christ told us that it does. Well, and also too, I think Mysterion has an element of the unseen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the Holy Spirit is working in a special way in, in order to work through an element, usually like in this case, we're talking about bread and wine or water or oil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, and, and so there's that unseen element, the unseen work of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, and then the seen element, whether it be the water, the oil, the bread, yeah. the wine, etc. So, yeah, so we have, you know, baptism, the washing, regeneration, the remission of sins, the ground of incorruption, yep. uh, all those kinds of things. Um, there's some beautiful prayers in there. I encourage people just to find the text and read through the prayers. And so that's, that's the first one. We're, we're baptized into Christ. We're joined to Christ. We die with Christ. We rise yeah. with Christ. Right. I like the way Father, I think, Quinieras puts it in, in his, one of his works where he says, you know, our baptism is our personal Holy Friday and, and Pascha. 
we descend into the tomb as we are put under the water and we are raised again with Christ as we are brought back up from the water. Yeah, and so that's, you know, Romans 6. Don't you know those of you who have been baptized in Christ, you know, have died with Christ and, and right. so on. St. Paul talks about it. We read that at every baptismal service. Uh, also read on Holy Saturday morning. Right, the traditional day for the baptism of new converts. Mm-hmm. That that liturgy was a baptismal liturgy and, and is becoming so again in certain yes. Orthodox jurisdictions where that's where they're celebrating baptisms and chrismations yes. uh, and receiving people um, uh, into the church. Yeah, I believe your Kumbado uh, baptized and or chrismated 40 people this past Holy Saturday. Glory to God. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's I was amazing. talking to, to my friend who's a deacon there. Well, wow. And then, of course, then we have with that often done at the same time, the sacrament of chrismation. Right. Uh, the anointing with the holy chrism, which is the consecrated oil at the patriarchate. Lots of spices and oil, mm-hmm. and, and it's consecrated over multiple days. Yeah. Uh, at the patriarchate and then sent out to all the exarchates or the churches that are kind of under the patriarchate. Uh, mm-hmm. So our archdiocese receives its holy chrism from the Patriarchate of Constantinople, mm-hmm. and then that is distributed to the metropolises and to the parishes, and so that the people can be anointed with the holy chrism, which Father Quinieris, again, he kind of says that's kind of our personal Pentecost. Mm. Right, the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then often, according to the practices of the ecumenical patriarchate, if someone was baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with water in a Trinitarian believing church, mm-hmm. they can be received into the church through the sacrament of chrismation. Yeah, and I, and I think that part of the reason that only patriarchates make the chrism is you're not joining a local parish, right? If you receive somebody into the church, they aren't joining just Holy Trinity Greek Orthodox Church in Carmel, Indiana, right? They're joining the church. And so we receive the chrism that is given to us by the metropolis, which is given to them by mm-hmm. the archdiocese, which is given to them by the patriarchate. So the, the act of chrismation, besides obviously the more primary and important role of the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit, is also uniting us to the church. Right, right. So we, we die and rise with Christ in baptism. We're joined to Christ in baptism. Mm-hmm. We receive the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit in chrismation. We're also mm-hmm. joined to the body uh, of the church, uh, in a sense, through the sacrament of chrismation. Yeah. And then we receive the Holy Eucharist. Yes. Um, and so then we are, we are more fully united to Christ, to God. You know, mm-hmm. he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Yeah. Um, and so the most intimate of communions with God comes through the, you know, obviously Holy Communion. Yeah. So on Holy Thursday, mm-hmm. which is the celebration of the institution of the Eucharist or the, you know, the celebration mm-hmm. of the, the first mystical supper when Christ mm-hmm. says those words and gives, gives the, the bread and wine to his apostles and tells them it, that it is his body and blood, the readings... For, from the Old Testament for that service, from the Vespers, are about the Israelites preparing themselves to mm-hmm. encounter God on the holy mountain before mm-hmm. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the point is, look how, look how seriously, look how uh, wonderful and awesome in the literal kind of sense of the word awesome. This, this event is that the Israelites prepare themselves with such care and fervor to encounter God in this way. 
And here in the divine Eucharist, every Eucharist, every time we partake of Holy Communion, we encounter God in a more intimate way Mm -hmm. than that. Right. It's a powerful encounter. I can't remember who said it. It's a, it's a moment of judgment or a moment of salvation. And so, so we too have to prepare Mm -hmm. uh, to come forward to receive. It's not something we do lightly. Right. Um, but it is something we, we are called to do frequently. Yes. Yeah, I, I often say communion is, is uh, something we, we should partake of, not casually. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, we don't, we're not entitled to it by virtue of the baptism and chrismation. Right. It's a gift, and, and a baptism and chrismation are necessary for us to receive uh, the Holy Eucharist. Um, but we need to prepare ourselves uh, every time we come forward to receive the Holy Eucharist. Right before the priest, or when the priest brings out the gifts, yes. he says, with the fear of God, with faith, and with love, draw near. Mm-hmm. And, and those are some ways to think about you know, how, how we are to approach. With the fear of God, in other words, with, uh, and I'm sure more could be said about this, so you know, um, this is just real, real cursory, and all right? Yeah. So, but you know, like with reverence, with piety, Mm-hmm. Uh, with with devotion, as we as we come forward to receive the Eucharist, um, yeah, having striven to obedience to God, yes, yes, living living, striving to live according to the commandments of God, um, yep. with faith. I mean, so to put it simply, you know, believing as the Church believes, you know, saying yes. saying the because I, I mean, later on in history, at some point, the creed was inserted into every liturgy. Right. It wasn't always there. It used to only be recited at baptisms, mm-hmm. um, but it started to be recited at every divine liturgy. You know, we need to be able to say every article of that creed and say, you know, I believe. You know, notice how we don't say we believe or right. something like this. We always say I believe. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm affirming my belief in these things yeah. uh, as, I, as I am coming forward and as I'm participating in, in the divine liturgy and the divine Eucharist and as I'm coming forward then to receive the holy gifts so with faith and then with love you know love for God mm-hmm. love for our neighbor these are mm. the two greatest commandments um, St. Basil's liturgy puts it very beautifully we are being united all together in the one chalice you know mm-hmm. in the one cup so you know even the, even if you're in a huge church and multiple chalices are being brought out it was one chalice that was presented initially on the altar and, and in which the consecration took place of the gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that might be distributed through several cups, through several chalices to the faithful, but we're ultimately all being united to the one cup of Christ. And, yeah. and so we're being united not only to Christ, so it's not just about a pietism, right? You know, but also to one another yeah. as the body. And so that happens most emphatically uh, in the Eucharist. And so we need to have that in mind too as we're approaching the chalice to approach with love for God and also love for our neighbor. Yeah, and I, all of these things, right? Fear of God, faith, and love, they're all connected. I mean, even you brought up the example of reciting the creed as an example of, you know, with faith. But right before we say the creed, we say, let us love one another mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that with one mind we may confess. Setting the prerequisite, love for one another is the prerequisite for us to be able to confess this confession together. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they're all you. You can't you can't just approach with the fear of God and with love, but no faith, or just faith and love, but no fear of God. You know, they're all connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we and we have some kind of typical practices, I guess I should say, standards. And of course, as we said in the 
podcast back on uh, when we we're talking about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of the number one rule, of course, is is talk to your spiritual father, talk to yeah. the parish priest where you attend yeah. uh, services. But we typically keep a total fast at least from midnight before. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a morning, for a morning, for liturgy. a morning Eucharist, yeah, for a morning yep. liturgy. Um, so not eating or drinking anything. And then, you know, we also prepare ourselves through prayer and there's mm-hmm. beautiful content of prayer and, you know, Orthodox prayer books, pre-communion mm-hmm. prayers that can be offered. Uh, of course, the important thing is to pray, you know, yes. we also, uh, there was this book written by Shehovskoy, I think is how you say his name. And he was saying, you know, it, we also don't want to fall into a pharisaical kind of approach where if we think we just yeah. say these list of prayers, then we're good right. to go. You know, because we've checked off that box. No, I mean right. the point of the, of those prayers is to pray, and they 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 give us content and guidance and and how to pray uh, mm-hmm. as we prepare to come forward to receive the Eucharist and and self examination. And if in some way we haven't been following the commandments of God, if we're if you know if we're off in some way, then we have the sac another sacrament, another mystery, the mystery of confession mm-hmm. uh, to to participate in before we approach. Uh, the chalice again and so yeah. uh, to take advantage of that opportunity as well so so Paul talks about the Apostle Paul excuse me talks about you know examining yourself before you partake of of the body and blood of the Lord he talks about that in first uh, Corinthians 11 so yeah I mean he even says for some have partaken unworthily and fallen sick or even died yeah yeah so again we we approach um you know, we approach the chalice um, not casually, right? Um, and uh, and uh, but with due preparation, uh, but frequently. Um, yes, right. Not 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 getting overly obsessed, or um, you know, not getting scrupulous about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not thinking that oh, I have to kind of have earned my seat at the table as right. if that was even a possibility. Nobody, yeah, that's important to say. Like nobody's worthy. Right. Nobody's worthy to receive. Right. Um, but, but, you know, we're, but there is a difference between being prepared and not prepared. Right. Right. I, that's, that's a great distinction. The distinction between worthy and prepared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody is worthy, but we can do what we need to do to be prepared. Right. And, you know, so then we can, we talked briefly about confession. We've talked about confession, I think, at length before. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, but... Confession is a, a sacrament of the church where we're able to come forward and, uh, and, you know, confess our sins before God and before the parish priest and receive the prayer of absolution. You know, after the resurrection, Jesus breathed on the apostles and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Whatever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whatever sins you retain, they are retained. Uh, obviously, through another sacrament, um, you know, ordination. Uh, right. So through ordination, through the laying on of hands and the gift of the Holy Spirit to the priesthood, you know, the apostles to the bishops, to the bishops after them, to the bishops after them, mm-hmm. from the bishops to the presbyters, which is the priests, this authority and this grace is given to hear the, to hear the confessions of the people and, and to offer the, the prayers of absolution and forgiveness yeah. uh, to the people as well in the name of Christ, that they can be forgiven and prepared uh, again, to come forward to receive um, the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. By the way, we had it was it was wonderful at the cathedral. Many more people took advantage of the time and opportunity of Great Lent uh, to come and to receive the sacrament of Holy Confession. 
Oh, wonderful. Um, so that's a really good thing. I know that it's sometimes called the forgotten sacrament in the Greek <laughs> Orthodox Church, but it's it's not forgotten. Oh, it needs to be remembered. And it does. It's an incredible gift and grace, um, but it's also, it's a fearful thing to neglect as well. Um, yeah. And, and so we need, we need to, especially during these fasting periods or whenever necessary, you know, yeah. avail ourselves of the sacrament of confession. Yeah. I, I always tell people, you know, I, I think confession is one of the greatest things I grew mm -hmm. up, you know, without any kind of availability of a sacrament of confession. And even from the very first time that I ever went to confession, I was like, oh, this is, this is good. Mm -hmm. This is a good thing. And if you have not yet experienced it, I strongly encourage trying it out. It it might, I don't, I, mean, I certainly can make no guarantees that everybody from their very first time is going to be like, yeah, that was great. But it is, like you said, it is a necessary mm -hmm. part of our life as an Orthodox Christian. It, yeah. it, this is not like a, oh, maybe I'll go to confession yeah. sometime, sometimes, maybe, and you know, if I get around to it or if I feel like if I ever do something really bad, I guess I could go. No, right. we're all sinners. We all are committing sins all the time. And mm -hmm. all of those sins need to be brought into the sacrament of confession, whether it's little, you know, white lies and gossip to murder. It doesn't matter. Right. It, like St. James says in his epistle, what does it matter if you didn't break one part of the law, but you broke another part of the law, you still are a lawbreaker. Hmm. So it's, you know, a anything is worth bringing to confession. So there's, you know, so we've talked about baptism, chrismation, the Eucharist, confession, um, kind of hinted a little bit at ordination, you know, the mm -hmm. three level orders of priesthood, deacon, priest, and bishop. Mm-hmm. Something people sometimes ask, what's the difference between bishop or metropolitan or archbishop or patriarch or whatever it is? And mm -hmm. for the Orthodox tradition, they are all ordinationally equal. Yeah, bishops are bishops. Yep. Hierarchs are hierarchs, but administratively they have different roles and functions. Right, right. And then kind of going back to something we were saying at the very beginning, ordination is one of the sacraments or mysteries that we see take place during the celebration of, of the Eucharist. Yes, one of the liturgy. few, right? Like you, you had hinted at. We used to celebrate weddings and and baptisms mm -hmm. uh, within the context of the divine liturgy, mm -hmm. but now ordination is kind of the one that has yeah. ha hung on. Yeah, and there's been in some places I've heard of a, a revitalization of uh, again liturgy baptisms taking place in liturgy. Yes, not just yeah. Holy Saturday, but even some places at other times. Mm -hmm. um, but ordination, so one of the ways to tell, or I guess some of the helpful things and looking at the differences between the different orders of priesthood right. is when the ordination takes place. Yeah. So the deacon is ordained latest in the divine liturgy, mm -hmm. um, after the consecration of the gifts, but before their distribution. Mm -hmm. So before the saying of the, our father and before receiving and distribution of Holy communion, kind of showing that the deacon can bear the mysteries to the people. Right. And then you have the priest who's ordained before the consecration. Mm -hmm. um, so he's a deacon that's ordained a priest. He has to be a deacon first. Right. And uh, he's ordained before the consecration of the gifts, but I believe after the gospel reading, after the homily. Right. Um, and, um, you know, showing that he's, his, his role is not only the distribution of the gifts and the carrying of the gifts, but the celebration uh, of the holy mysteries. Right. Um, with the exception 
of ordination and consecration, those being the two things the bishop can do that the priest cannot do. Sure. Um, and then, um, and then the hierarch is ordained by three hierarchs. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes use the word consecrated, and uh, that happens, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, before the reading of the gospel, and before yeah. the proclamation of the homily, uh, showing that the 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 hierarch is the chief teacher. You know, like we say, mm-hmm. every liturgy rightly dividing the word of truth. Right. He is he is the chief kind of shepherd and the chief teacher of the community. And when yeah. he's present, he's always the chief celebrant, and and the priest, the parish priest, moves over to the side of the altar table, mm-hmm. um, because that's you know again he is the in the liturgy he's the icon of Christ you know um, the presbyters are the icons of the apostles, mm-hmm. and in some church fathers I think Ignatius the the deacons are the are like icons of the angels, mm-hmm. um, and that makes so sense. yeah so they're they're all serving the liturgy and I think Saint Ignatius. Of Antioch gives the definition of the church as the bishop with his presbyters and the deacons surrounded by the people celebrating the Eucharist. Ooh, nice. So that's his definition of the church, the ecclesia. A few more things about priesthood, you know. So married men can become deacons and priests. Yes. Um, celibates can also become deacons and priests, but they can't marry after they're ordained. So right. sometimes people ask the question, and I know what they're getting at. Can priests marry in your tradition? Technically, the answer is no, because once they're a priest, they can't get married. Uh, but if they are married, the husband of one wife, their wife is Orthodox, etc., um, then they can be ordained as a deacon or a priest, but no longer as a bishop. We do not have married bishops. Right. Uh, and so the bishops are all taken from the ranks of the monastics or at least, you know, celibate uh, in that regard. Uh, but there's there's that reality of, of candidates for the, for the priesthood, usually uh, after a period of study at the seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, and have received their Masters of Divinity and, and so on, but not necessarily always. Um, sometimes men are ordained without necessarily having them div uh, under special circumstances or through like the diaconate program for the deacons. And um, and so, yeah, so then unction or evkelio, mm-hmm. the prayer oil or the blessed oil, the blessing oil. It is celebrated in most of our parishes, if not all, every Holy Week on Holy Wednesday. Yeah. But it can be celebrated anytime. Right, um, it's not properly a Holy Week service. No, we tend to do it every Holy Week as a service, but you could celebrate Unction once a month if you wanted. You could, mm-hmm. um, or especially if there was a reason during the pandemic when you were here, we were celebrating Unction right. more often yep. so that people had more opportunities to come and be anointed. Um, it's, it's yeah, and, you know, referenced right from James' epistle, is any of right. you sick? Let him call the presbyters. Uh, let him pray over him and anoint him with the oil. Right, and so the, I, the original practice, and we rarely do this, though it's still obviously permittable and mm-hmm. and a good thing to do. The original practice was the visitation of the sick mm-hmm. would have been done with the full holy unction service. Uh, you know, not just uh, not just bringing the communion or not just bringing some unction that we have kind of in reserve, but going to the to the house the home or the the place where the sick person was and praying the entire service of holy unction and administering that sacrament uh in that context right and it's for healing but it's also for strength not everyone who's sick or ail or infirm or going through some serious health issue is is going to be healed 
right. after receiving a holy unction. It, it, preclu- it precludes or presumes faith. Yes. Um, we come forward to receive faith. Um, but it talks about the healing of soul and body. Yeah. Uh, I read this beautiful story about how um, Simeno Petra was being settled by the monks coming from Meteora, and many of the monks were kind of uh, old and infirm, and the young monks were taking care of them and were kind of getting stretched pretty thin with everything going on at the monastery. So this one young one uh, younger monk was praying who was in the role of a caretaker, was kind of crying out to God, like, you know, help. This is This is a lot. And mm-hmm. um, one of the elders of the monastery, I guess, came by right about that time and said, how are you? What's going on? Do you need help? And he said, you know, he just kind of talked about what was going on. He said, oh, we'll gather everyone together and celebrate the, the mystery of Holy Unction. And the Holy Spirit will come and will help get things right inside of everyone. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of making this comment that these old monks are carrying things with them. And, and he even said, and some will get well, and some will repose, hmm. some will pass away, um, but they'll be prepared. You know, the Holy Spirit will come and help make things, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure this was said in a much more profound way, but kind of order things right within them, within their uh-huh. souls, within their hearts. Um, and so, um, uh, and it is a sacrament of the church, and so it's, you know, like the Eucharist, it is... It is to be received by those who are baptized, chrismated, and, you know, if married, we should say this about Eucharist, if married, have been married in the church. We haven't mm-hmm. talked about that sacrament yet. But, sure, sure. Um, but they have had, they have been married in the church and um, have prepared themselves to receive it through through prayer, and some people even fast before they receive unction, although I don't know that that's required, hmm. uh, but I know that some people kind of do that out of, out of piety. Uh, to prepare themselves to receive holy unction. Fasting is usually a good thing to prepare ourselves, um, you know, regardless of what we're what we're participating in. So what else can we say about, it's not just for when people are dying. Right. Uh, anytime you're sick or if you're going through treatment or you're gonna have surgery or you just, things are just really I guess, awry internally. The sacraments of confession and unction can be incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. And can, you know, you can talk to your parish priest about those things. Yeah, uh, definitely. And set up a time to be anointed because we also reserve oil from unction from Holy Week or other other times we do unction for when we need to do hospital visits or home visits or people need to be anointed. uh, Yeah, and in in several of of the kind of services for visitation, Mm-hmm. There, there will be kind of a run through of like the prayers into confession, into uh, unction, into mm-hmm. reception of the of the Eucharist, or right. maybe I've got those kind of Eucharist yeah. and unction switched up. But there's a kind of shorter, a sure. very abbreviated service of unction that mm-hmm. kind of goes into that, you know, kind of a more modern visitation of the sick uh, mm-hmm. service. And sometimes when the sick are being visited, they they need unction, but they may not be ready or, or be able to receive the Eucharist. Right. And sometimes they receive the Eucharist, but they may not receive unction depending on the scenario. But Yeah. Um, yeah. And then some, they don't always obviously receive uh, confession, uh, either because they're not prepared or they're not able to, or there's other people in the room. And um, so anyways, um, there can be circumstances there. So yeah. then let's talk about the, the mystery of marriage, the sacrament of marriage. 
yeah we've come to the end of the kind of list of the seven mm-hmm. uh and as you alluded to uh it, it is a, a sacrament mm-hmm. uh, it it takes place for us within the church yep um and I, and not even just kind of the physical location being important but but the the church body mm-hmm. uh, it is not just you know this isn't we're we're very kind of individualistically minded here and we kind of think of well this is just this person deciding to be with this person but it's very much something that kind of affects the the community the whole body of christ and so we are we you know we are married in in front of our church body this is a, a celebration uh that takes place as we said initially within the context of the divine liturgy even yeah um so it's uh, yeah, it's required to take place in an Orthodox church mm-hmm. by an Orthodox priest. Right. Um, at least one person has to be Orthodox. At least one person has to be Orthodox, and the other person has to at least be baptized right. uh, with Trinitarian baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with water in a Trinitarian uh, believing church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you have to have a sponsor the same way you have to have a godparent right. uh, for a baptism. The sponsor has to be an Orthodox Christian yep. in good standing with the church, which again means mm-hmm. if they were married, they were married in the church. Yep. Um, getting married outside of the church removes us from sacramental communion with the church mm-hmm. because I guess in some sense it's like you've sought the what we believe and understand to be the sacrament of marriage elsewhere. Right. Uh, and so have removed yourself from the body and of course need to come back to the body and have your marriage blessed uh, in the church through the sacrament of marriage. Mm-hmm. There is a right for second and or third marriage if someone was divorced and they want to remarry. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a penitential service. It's a little different. Yeah, yeah. Um, has a penitential element. Um, and of course, the Orthodox person, if divorced, must have received an ecclesiastical divorce um, right. before they can remarry. And so that is a that is a process that has to take place. So it's good for people to know about that. Um, if they haven't done so and they're seeking to be married again in the church and understand that there's a right of second marriage and it's it's a little different it's a little shorter and it's penitential in nature yeah and i think the thing to say about that is that the sacrament of second marriage just like the sacrament of first marriage just like all of the sacraments have as their aim to bring us into the life of christ Mm -hmm. Uh, the sacrament of marriage isn't it's not, you know, about a party or, you know, like a, a display of any sort. It's it's about these two people entering into, you know, the journey of the life of Christ in this new way together uh, with the blessing of of Christ and his church um, and, and the aim of salvation. And then, you know, we, we kind of talked about seven. I mean, this is, this is a number that kind of came about a little bit, I guess, sometime later in church history. There right. were different enumerations and different lists, yeah. which is interesting in Orthodox history. Sometimes there were five, sometimes there were nine, yeah. sometimes I think up to 13. I've uh, even seen oh, wow. like some of the lists included things like monastic tonsure, sure. um, the funeral service, the blessing of holy water, like we do at Theophany. Mm-hmm. We don't uh, see those on the same level. You know, we don't see the funeral necessarily on the same level as like the sacrament of, of marriage or mm-hmm. baptism. But but there have been kind of lists because ultimately the chief 
mystery is Christ and the church, you know, and it's through the sacraments uh, primarily that we are sanctified uh, mm-hmm. in the life in Christ. Uh, and then we receive the sanctification of the Holy Spirit primarily through the sacramental life of the church and participating in that life in the church. Yeah, the two kind of surprises I think that some people get when they look at a list of the seven sacraments. Uh, the one is that the funeral is not a sacrament, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. It's it's a beautiful service. It's it's an important thing that we you know want uh, to to have done for for every Orthodox Christian, but it's not officially a sacrament. Mm-hmm. And then the other the other thing is that. Uh, you know, if you look up a list of seven sacraments, usually you're going to get a list of the the Western kind of idea of seven sacraments. And so the one major difference there is going to be that holy unction, which we talked about at, in depth there, is slightly different from last rites. Yeah, so last rites is, an, is a sacrament in the Western church, which we don't... Yeah. It, it kind of looks like unction, but it's different. Yeah, we don't have the service of last rites in the Orthodox right. church. Right. We should always just be preparing ourselves every day. Right. Um, there you go. And we should be preparing ourselves sacramentally when we can through the sacrament of confession, yep. uh, the Eucharist, and an unction. I remember reading a story about a nun, I think in Russia, and she was diagnosed with cancer. And the local priest was an incredibly busy man who was serving a large parish. But she kind of made an arrangement with him to come by every Friday mm. because she knew he wouldn't be able to tend to her during the weekend. Mm-hmm. But he would, every Friday they were going to have the sacrament of confession, unction, and the Eucharist. Mm. I think in the morning first thing. Um, that way she would just be prepared if she were post yeah. over the weekend. This was her practice. And then she went into remission. And that oh. wasn't the diagnosis at all. The doctors were not very hopeful. But wow. she went into remission and she was given more time in this, in this life. Wow. Obviously the Lord had more for her to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then at some point the cancer came back later cause remission doesn't mean gone. And so she, she, again, she received the mysteries and she reposed in the Lord, mm-hmm. but she was prepared. That right. is the point. Um, yeah. and so we should always be preparing. Don't put off till tomorrow, you know, what you can do today. Yeah. Um, there was, um, I mean, not to be panicky or fearful or whatever, but no, of course, but to be prepared. I mean, it's kind of like the scouts, right? You know, if you, <laughs> if you fail to plan, then plan to fail, you know, I right. mean, that's their little motto, <laughs> one of their little mottos. And I think that's probably true for a lot of areas of life. You know, yeah. we need to prepare ourselves just like we prepare for receiving the Lord in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. We need to prepare ourselves to meet the Lord uh after our repose uh yeah. and to take that seriously and not say like oh i'll do it later i'll i'll do that someday or i'll get to that sometime um no because you don't know what tomorrow holds um, right none of us does so so i guess all that to say we don't have last rites because our life should be about preparing <laughs> being prepared yeah uh, to meet the lord um you know yeah. so anything else talking about the holy mysteries or the sacraments you think we need to kind of go over or cover? I think that, I mean, as for, uh, for kind of the, the level, the introductory level that we want to mm-hmm. keep things at, I think that was pretty good there. You know, these are all the, of course, not everyone will undergo ordination. Not everyone sure. will, will be married. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the others, you know, baptism, uh, chrismation, Eucharist, confession, unction, confession. These are essential parts of the 
orthodox spiritual life. And for those ones that are are repeatable, right? Eucharist, uh, confession, confession, unction. unction. Mm-hmm. They're, they're essential parts to experience on a semi-regular basis. You know, mm-hmm. the Eucharist as much as weekly and or even more than weekly if you know sure. if you have a church with weekday liturgies and and you know confession and unction we have opportunities specifically set aside for those things at least at least once a year and they're there you know we talked about living the christian life striving to live the christian life as preparation for eucharist mm-hmm. but these are also uh strengthen us yeah to live yeah. the christian life Right. Um, so, so they're they're kind of on both sides of that. There. You know? Yes. Yes. Um, the the Eucharist itself prepares us to receive the Eucharist. Yeah. We. I mean, and and confession and so on. I mean, these things yeah. are all aids, yeah, of course, to strengthen us, uh, to support us, and to help us. Uh, you know, obviously to be sanctified in Christ, um, but to live the Christian life. So I think next month we were thinking about talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, so it, is, it will be the month of Pentecost, so that yeah. seems appropriate. We might just talk about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit and those kinds of things. So um, again, if people have questions, where can they send in their questions? If you have questions about the Holy Spirit or about any other topic that you would like us to discuss in future podcasts, you can email us at churchcoffeepod at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 317 317- Six six zero five four nine eight. Thank you for listening to Church Coffee Pod. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. Make sure to tell your friends that Church Coffee isn't so bad after all. Peace. God bless, and Christ is risen. Truly, He is risen. <laughs>